0: Okay, are we ready? Let's do it. Podcast number two. Number two, C-S-C-V, CSCV, C-F-S-C-V.
1: CFSCV. Yeah. That's close yeah. enough. Yeah. Rounding yeah. errors. Yeah. We still haven't published podcast one? Now We're probably gonna get a couple in the books. That way, the loyal fans don't get upset when we miss a week and they don't get their consistent weekly dose right. of CrossFit SCV. Yeah,
0: all right. Well, we're back. Uh, Curtis, Nick, we're introducing uh, Edward.
2: All right, guys, how's it going?
0: Coach Edward, who's obviously not from here. Where are you from, Edward?
2: Uh, Louisiana. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, I'm from uh, Norfolk on the east coast of England.
1: So what's, what's what's relative to Norfolk?
2: Okay, so if you look at a map of the UK, there's a big bump on the right-hand side. That's Norfolk. It's probably the easiest way of explaining it.
1: Okay, and what are you guys known for? Is it a farming area? So, yeah,
2: it's a big farming area. Um, it's called Nelson's County. Uh, and it's named after um, Lord Horatio Nelson, who was a famous admiral during the Napoleonic Wars. Okay. Famous for the Battle of Trafalgar and uh, Battle of the Nile.
1: Horatio, is that his first name? British, French. British. Okay. Yeah, Horatio Nelson. Okay, so he defended the Brits against.
2: Yeah, he was famous the for the his most famous battle was the Battle of Trafalgar, which was off the coast of Spain um, in want to say 1805, I think it was. Uh, he actually gave his life in that. Yeah.
1: Do you feel like people from the UK know their history better than people in the United States from where they're from and their country? And,
2: um, first of all, we've pretty got more, uh, recorded history than, than most of America does. So for us, it's kind of a case of something has always happened where we're from. I mean, from the Norfolk, um, some of our earliest settlements go back to thousands of years BC. We've got a, a place just off the coast called um, Woodhenge. And it's about the same dates from about the same sort of times area as, um, as Stonehenge. This was made of wood. It's been washed away from years and stuff. But we've got towns that have been eroded, brought back, eroded, brought back from Roman times as well. So That's wild.
1: Yeah. It's crazy to think the US is only, what, 300 and something years old.
2: Yeah, I was, I was telling a, a friend of mine that um, the house I grew up in back in the UK is older than this country. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: How does that house still stand though? Like, is it's not made out of wood.
2: No, it, it's um, stone and flint. Jeez, it's
1: yeah. wild. It's crazy. So what are we talking about today, Curtis?
0: We're talking about uh, Coach Edward today. We're gonna talk about his, uh, where he's from, his history. Some of the things he's done. He's done some interesting things in CrossFit and uh, is getting ready to head out to the games to be a judge this year and uh, Talk about a competition that we just had yesterday. Awesome. At the gym. Sounds good. So jump right into it. Cool. Yeah. Tell us about yourself, Ed.
2: So, uh, yeah, I'm obviously from the UK. Um, my background's actually in performing arts. So I did a three year diploma of performing arts at Leicester College of Performing Arts, uh, graduated with a diploma in that. Um, I've done a number of TV shows, music videos, U.S. tours, UK tours. Um, worked for the circus for a while, um, did about 10 years on cruise ships, did shows in China, Europe, US. Um, and I started getting to CrossFit back in about 2012. Uh, started working out at a box called CrossFit Norwich and then started coaching at a place called CrossFit Spitfire. And I've been living in the US just under two years now. Coach How do you like it so far? Loving it. Loving it. Spent a lot of time in the US. Um, move uh, moved around quite a bit um, my first experience was back when i was like three and four in california um worked up in new york worked in quite a bit in florida obviously my wife's from oklahoma It's a uh, loving california that's awesome
0: so yeah. w- you were just recently in uh miami right
2: yeah we spent a year living in miami yeah.
0: and coaching coaching yeah coaching.
2: i coached at a uh, place called crossfit armed it's uh, one of the larger boxes uh, in Miami. We've got a few games athletes, former games athletes there,
1: yeah. So can you take us through, is it university for College of Performing Arts or is it college?
2: Yeah, so it's it's a dedicated performing arts college at Leicester. Okay. Um, classes, are very, classes are very small, so I had about 16 in my year. Uh-huh. Um, And there was probably only about 45 people in the entire college.
1: So is it mostly acting and acting adjacent or is there a lot of athleticism? Because I know you went into the circus after that, right? Yeah.
2: So we'd have scheduled class every day for about an hour of Pilates and yoga and then another two hours a week of general fitness. But the average day would start at eight o'clock in the morning with a one hour warm up and we wouldn't be done till 6 p.m. at night. And it's just dancing, acting, singing, things like that.
1: Was there a lot of um, kinesiology that went into it?
2: Um, Yeah, we'd have class lessons on physique, on the body, on how the body moves, um, on diet, on things like that.
1: So do you feel like when you came out of um, performing arts that you were the fittest of your career, or do you feel like that was just kind of the springboard, and then when you stepped into your professional career, it really grew from there?
2: Um, I'd say my fitness, compared to what it is now, I was very skinny. Um, there was not as much put on physical strength as mobility and flexibility, especially for the guys. Um, in hindsight, it should have been flipped and put a lot more onto strength. Um, certainly when I went into the professional industry, it was far more, can you lift this person over your head? Mm-hmm. Rather, can you do the splits? It was more of the f- flexibility is better for the girls. The guys need a lot more strength. Um, It wasn't until I I started doing the circus stuff, so I started doing trapeze and bungee harness work, uh, straps, that I actually started bulking up and gaining a lot of muscle. Um, And I must have spent about $1,000 at GNC buying all the protein shakes and tablets, aminos, creatines, everything. I was a horrible person for a month of boot camp, but I gained like 40 pounds of muscle in about a month. What? Yeah, I was having steak every night, chicken every... Lunch. Two so breakfast. Yeah. W- what
1: did you weigh at the beginning of that? Just for reference.
2: Um I probably weighed about one forty. At, at the beginning. And you beginning.
1: walked out at one eighty. Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. It's like a significant load yeah. to put on your body. Yeah, it was a, a big change. Big change.
1: And did yeah. you know coming out of performing arts you said I knew I wanted to go into trapeze and I knew I wanted to go into the circus or it,
2: it was kind of a um a smooth transition. i I'd, I'd already been performing as a dancer and an actor for about five six years or so um, and I was about to do a new job for Celebrity Cruises and they said well this new one's gonna involve some circus stuff do you want to do you want to start doing that and as with most things in life if and doubt, say yes so I did um, Spent about a month of boot camp and they taught us trapeze bungee work harness work and then after that we keep coming back every six months or so for another month of something else to learn
1: and did you previously have a gymnastics background whether it was tumbling um a little sports? bit
2: i spent a bit of time in middle school but i didn't really progress that much further from that i i enjoyed it but not as much as the other sports i was doing i was playing football twice a week i was playing cricket once a week tennis badminton whitewater kayaking rock climbing dancing i had a lot every single school night and every single weekend was packed and then i just had to make decisions on um what do i want to give up what do i want to keep doing
1: what was the primary act that you were in because i'm assuming the circus were you on cruise ships at this point or i was, I was on cruise ships okay.
2: for about another four years doing the circus stuff and then i went to do tours of the uk europe and china um and it was kind of more of a generic we'll teach you to do this act this act and this act and then we'll add on to that so i started off doing basic harness work and then we started doing the bungee then we did two-person trapeze, four-person trapeze, um, spinning trapeze, um, upside-down tap dancing, like basically anything they'd come up with, we'd have to go, yeah, okay, we'll have a go at that. Oh my God. Yeah. So
1: every day you kind of walked in and didn't really know what. Yeah. We, if it could be done, you just had to, to grind it yeah, out.
2: Yeah, I mean, we they, the creator team would come up with sort of wild concepts and be like, all right, can we try this? Let's try this for the next day. So we'd sort of come in on a Friday morning still hung over from tequila and be like, "Okay, so today we're going to do bungee work upside down. Um, We are put me in the harness. Let's go.
1: And I would assume trapeze because you're hanging from a bar for the most part, uh, tons of forearm, tons of upper body. But is that the case or is it really a full body?
2: It's a it's a full body. It's a lot of grip. It's not as much upper body as you expect it would be, because as with things like um, rope climbing and, and uh, rock climbing, it's more legs than people think it is. So you're trying to use your legs, it's obviously a bigger muscle group, you can do more with it. Um, it's a lot of grip, it's a lot of grip. Um, and we, we didn't train over crash mats either, we trained over concrete. So day one, you start on a trapeze bar about six inches off the floor, walking on it, climbing up the ropes, just moving around, getting comfortable on it. Next day, it's a foot off the floor, Again, you do the same thing and they just, every day, it keeps getting higher and higher and higher. And then eventually you've got another person hanging off your ankle while you're holding on with one hand.
1: How long did it take for the grip strength? Because I think that's a big challenge in CrossFit for a lot of people is getting their pull-ups down and getting their muscle-ups, but a lot of it's grip strength. Yes,
2: yes. A lot of it is just being able to hold on to a bar. Because, I mean, if even if you want to work on your pull-up technique, you've still got to be able to hold on to a bar. Whether it's a pull-up bar or um, a barbell. Uh, And a lot of people don't really realize they think it's hand strength where it's it's far more forearm because, I mean, all those tendons lead up into your forearm. So simple things of doing little flexes with the wrist with a weight in them.
1: Makes a big difference, makes a big difference. Yeah. And how how long from when you started the program to where you felt like, okay, I can kind of hang here for as long as I want to. And if we have to work on something for three hours, I can work through that session. How long does it take to really get to that level of strength?
2: I'd already started in a good physical condition before we started boot camp. So by the end of the first week we we're already up to about fifteen feet high and we we're holding them on by one arm for like sixty second holds wow. at a time. And then boot camp would last typically about a month and um, we'd be in six days a week from about eight to six and we'd only have about half an hour for lunch. Wow. And it would just be conditioning and then trapeze work and harness work and stuff, so
0: so what, what year is this? How, how old are you at this point?
2: Uh, I would have been 24, so about nine years ago now. Okay. Wow, nine years ago. Yeah.
1: And, and you said from there you transitioned off the cruise ships and you were doing some touring and I'm guessing land touring, Big Top Style Circus.
2: Yeah, uh, not so much Big Top Style Circus, it's more sort of um, site-specific venues. So they it wouldn't be a Big Top, it would be um, an arena that would be set up and it would be, um, people could walk around any part of it and we'd be doing the acts around them or over them. Um, so in one of them we had, it was probably about the same size as yeah, probably about this room and it was just a clear plastic sheets suspended from the ceiling with water on, and we'd be doing an act above that. And they'd be just out of hand's reach from people on the floor. Oh, so wow. they could reach up and touch the plastic and stuff and see us through it. Or we'd have rails going across the ceiling and we're doing running wall work where I'd be attached to a harness. A piece of rope and just run across the walls and things. So.
1: And were you guys like a, a residency show where people would pay a ticket to come see that show, yeah. or was it more for hire by? No, that commercial was that was
2: um, that was for an eight-month tour, and we were in Shenzhen, China. Wow! So just outside Hong Kong. So you've seen a good bit of the world. I've been very fortunate to travel. Yeah, I spent ten years on cruise ships, and before that, I'd done um, quite a few tours and holidays abroad, and travel for work and things. And then post cruise ships. Again, very lucky with touring and living over in America and things.
1: What's your favorite place that you've been to so far? Uh,
2: I hate that question.
1: <laughs> favorite places? <laughs>
2: yeah, because it depends on what we're in the mood for. If I want to go um, chill on a beach, yeah, maybe Hawaii. If I want to go diving, probably the Caribbean. If I want to go climb a mountain, Norway. Uh, if I want some culture, um, I love Florence. Um,
0: What's the worst place you've been to
2: that might be easier? Oh, ah, uh, worst place. Um,
0: hmm. Aside from Los
2: Angeles. <laughs> Traffic is pretty bad, I'll give you that. Um, worst place. I wouldn't say I've got worst place. I, there are places that are forgettable, Right. that sort of are very generic and go on to the other one. Quite a few of the Caribbean ports can be very generic. Um, some of the Spanish ones are very generic. Um, I enjoyed my time in china but i'm not itching to get back there right um certainly when you when we spent as long as we did there um the smog was the biggest thing like we like we get in the bus and be driving to the 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 site and we because we'd have to have a minder with us from the government um and he said oh yes there are these beautiful mountains in the distance and you couldn't see anything yeah you just used smoke um and yeah, so China was kind of forgettable. I mean, like I said, I only got to see a very small part of it, and it's a massive country, um, but yeah. So
0: it's 2010,
2: uh,
0: pre-CrossFit, what, what, what's your career path at this point? What What's the long-term goal for what you're doing?
2: So in 2010, I was still performing, and that was my goal was to keep performing as long as I could, and then um, eventually go into more of a creative side, so more directing creating shows things like that
1: and is that what brought you over to the US originally
2: um, to a certain extent yes um, my wife's American um, we had to have that big old discussion all right where are we gonna live UK US somewhere else um, and we just on paper it made a lot of sense for us both to live in the US just with her history is obviously an American and she already had a job over here my history with doing a lot of work in America. I had quite a few companies I'd consulted with as well. Um, So that's kind of what brought me
1: up. But you guys didn't come to the U.S. until about two years ago, you said?
2: Well, she's obviously, she is American, so she's been living here forever. But um, yeah, I properly moved here two years ago.
1: So 2017-ish, Yes. come over to the U.S. So pre that, so back to 2010, Yeah. so you found CrossFit in 2010.
2: Yes, so I was working on a ship at the time um, and I was bored in my cabin and I just had Put the tv on flicked through channels went to espn um and so, oh, all right what's this watching and it was sort of i think it must have been like highlights from the games before or something or it was some sort of thing on maybe the very first games that's um
0: 2010 that's like back when aromas. they had sectionals and yeah
2: exactly they
0: had the games at aromas
2: exactly yeah and it was like the original stuff and i saw them sort of doing a the workout i was like um GHD med ball setups and shuttle runs and I think like ring muscle ups or something. And I was like, watching them do one here. I'm like, oh, I could do that. It's pretty fit, I could do that. I did the second round, so I'm like, yeah, I could do that. I did the third round, and I'm like, mm, maybe not. And I did a fourth round and I was like, definitely couldn't. And I got a fifth and I was like, what the hell is this I'm watching? And so sort of, got back on the internet, CrossFit, saw all this stuff and was like, okay, this looks fun. And then like, the next couple of days, so I just put it back on, kept watching, watching. And then, since I got off the ship back to the UK, first thing I searched for was nearest CrossFit box. yeah.
0: Yeah, CrossFit gyms were a lot harder to find back then. Yeah, there weren't many around.
2: Yeah, we i mean, in Norfolk, we had one. Yeah, just one. That was it. And you got not just for the city, just the entire counties. Yeah. That was. Have
0: you ever have you ever watched the first couple of games? No. Like on the internet, so it's great. Like the one that I remember the most is uh, Annie Thorstad Yeah. Showing up and they have to show her like, okay, this is a GHD and this is how you do it. This is a ring muscle up and like uh, they're explaining it to her right before the event starts, and then she just gets in there and, and kind of does a few and it's it's pretty cool. It's awesome. Way. Yeah,
1: you got to think back in 2010, the UFC was firing on all cylinders. You had UFC gyms opening yeah. up and MMA was such a big thing mm-hmm. and CrossFit was almost kind of an outsider's thing at that point. It definitely was an outsider's yeah. thing at
2: that point, right? It was still very much niche in the know. You had to go looking for it. it. wasn't in your face at that point.
1: So were yeah. you, so you walk into that first CrossFit box, were you immediately addicted or did it take some time? Because I'm assuming the gymnastics work came naturally, right? Yeah,
2: so I, I emailed the gym owner and was like, can I drop it and he said, yeah, sure, no problem. We'll put you through some basic stuff, see how you do. And then we might ask you to do a foundational thing so you know what you're doing. Um, I already had a good background from the circus, gymnastics and all the sports I played as a kid. So I think my first workout was like an 800 meter run, like 50 air squats, 40 sit-ups, uh, like 30, I can't remember what it was now, mm-hmm. and it ended with 10 pull-ups. And I did not like the fastest time they'd ever had. And I was like, so do I need to come back for the foundations? Like, no, you're good, just come on. And I was like, all right, <laughs> fine. But there was a gym with like 60 people in. it. Was The gym was probably about a quarter the size of ours. It was literally like a converted garage, basically, yeah. in an industrial estate. Um, you had one set of pull-up bars you had like 12 barbells random plates like no jump ropes no ab mats wall balls just, yeah. yeah i think we had maybe like five or six wall balls that was it
1: so how long did it take for you to just get addicted to the sport
2: yeah um within like the first couple of weeks i was like yeah i'm really enjoying this i've always liked a challenge i've always been very physical so and my biggest was my biggest thing when i was growing up was all right am i gonna play football Am I going to play cricket? Am I going to play tennis? Am I going? To, I always had to try and pick something to focus on, but nothing covered everything. Like, okay, I wanted to play football, but then I was always the shorter guy, so I was never going to play in goal, which is where I was best at in cricket. Yeah, I was good kind of all round, but I was never very good at any one particular thing. I was good at everything. So for me, the fact that CrossFit was, we don't care if you are brilliant at lifting weights or you can run incredibly fast. We want a broad picture of what fitness is. So can you do everything well? And I think that's what really got me is finally that, okay, it's not like basketball where I've got to be seven foot tall to play it well, or I'm a jockey so I've got to be four foot nothing, or I've got to be a powerlifter so I've got to be short and stocky. It's a case of we're going to do all these different things you are going to excel at something, but we want you to be good at everything. Yeah. So that's what really got me.
1: Yeah. And I know we're going to get to it later, but I think that's what yesterday's competition really proved mm. is I kind of joked. It's like when you go to Vegas and you play the roll the ball game and the horses jockey along and one horse gets it. Have you ever played that game? Is like in the kids no. when you were a kid? No. So it's this game. I'm it's like skeeball it in, in Vegas where you never did that when you were a kid. Your parents, Your parents took you to Vegas when as I kids? was a kid. Of course, I was I, gambling. I, I went time. to Vegas
2: when I was 16. Yeah.
1: No, and you and you and in the kids section, like Circus Circus is a great example. You got this kid section. Exactly I and you got the ski ball game. And depending on what hole it drops into, there's like a, a lineup of It's like a horse race. Mm-hmm. And the horses run along. And if you get in the red ball or in the red hole, they go a little further. If you get in the blue hole, they only go like one little length. And it's a horse race. And then you get a toy if you win. And that was kind of like yesterday's competition is you see the teams, there'd be one team that would horse race out because they were way strong at the first thing, and then yeah. the second team would catch up by the second thing because they were a lot stronger at whatever the yeah. second.
2: I think that was the biggest thing, I know we're gonna talk about this later, but trying to come up with workouts that would appeal to everybody. Yeah. It didn't really matter what your strength was in, that you know, was gonna be something for everybody.
1: Yeah. So, so how long did it take for you to transition from being a full-time CrossFit athlete into coaching? Was it a pretty quick transition or did you um, No,
2: it took me about 18 months going from a usual membership of turning up four or five times a week to sort of thinking about it going okay I'm really enjoying this I potentially might want to do this more so how do I go about that so talking to the coach who owned the place and finding out about the L1 and then what that entails and then doing that um, and right after I got my L1 CrossFit Norwich closed but a good friend of mine was already asking me after I got my L1 if I wanted to start the gym with him and I just didn't have the time at that point, but I went and then coached for him. So, so
0: where, where'd you do your L1 and who was in, on your L1 staff?
2: Oh, I cannot remember who was on my L1 staff. And I always get asked that and I can right. never remember. Uh, but I did it up in Manchester in the UK um, and I did it about two months before I got married. Right. Yeah.
0: So for um, if any of the six people that listen to this or <laughs> don't know, usually in the L1 uh, staff, they have uh, you know at least one well-known CrossFit athlete. It's awesome. Normally, when people take the L one, there's at least one person that gets exposure to yeah, some high profile,
2: Christmas Abbot, yeah. or yeah, and
1: they're coaching it, they're teaching it, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. you're getting like there's only like three
2: or room. four um, uh, seminar staff taking each class, and Got you it. get broken off into smaller sections and things. So. Yeah,
0: and, and where and he said it was
2: up in Manchester, Manchester, yeah, yeah, it's a two day course. Yeah, it's awesome.
0: Yeah, I had actually on I had Pat Barber at my L one, and he was the same. I had the same staff at my L
1: two whatever, five years later. It was kind of cool That's cool. It's kind of a reunion. Yeah, kind of a cool. Yeah. Thing. But it's also cool because you probably evolved significantly in that five year time. So the ability to engage with those athletes in a really different way. Right. Right? Yeah, that was good. It was a good uh, it was a fun time. That's great. So you get your L one. What was your what was your main motivation behind coaching? I know there's a number. Anyone that goes into coaching doesn't do it for themselves, right? They do it for the people that they serve. Um but did you primarily go into it in the beginning to Uh, develop yourself as an athlete and get really deep into the movement side of it did you do it because you wanted to coach other people and teach like what was the primary motivation
2: um i've always enjoyed teaching i think the main thing for me was understanding it it i always whatever i do i have to try and understand the mechanics of it the physics behind it or the reason behind it so taking the l1 and understanding Why are these the foundational movements? Why are we doing this? How do we improve this? How do we get more people in? How do we evolve this? That was my big thing. As soon as I got that, it was a case of, okay, with my background in dance and the circus, how do I take that, that skill that I have, and move that into CrossFit to help people who, for me, a pull-up is nothing. But for people who have never done a pull-up before, how do I give them that skill in the most efficient way?
1: So two follow up questions there Um, for newcomers, right? And let's call newcomers anywhere between the zero and six month period. What are some of the things that foundationally you see almost everybody doing wrong that you're correcting, that you would you would want everyone to kind of lock in? And then same question for advanced athletes that have been doing it for a long time. They think they've got it figured out, but they don't really understand the movements.
2: Yeah, it's the same answer for both is the basic movements is things like an air squat is there are so many little details to something as simple as an air squat that will immediately affect everything else. If you show me your air squat, I will immediately know what your front squat, your back squat, your overhead squat, your wall ball, all of these, plus other movements, I will immediately know how well you're gonna be able to do them. Because that one financial movement, if you're not up with the chest, tight in the back, tight core, getting that full depth, pressing the knees out, all these little things will affect everything. And that affects, the beginners to to begin with because they're having all this information thrown at them and they keep, change this, move this up here, down here, change that. But that same thing applies to those more advanced athletes is still, okay, pull this up a little bit more, get a little bit lower here, press this out a bit more. It's taking that step back when you've mastered it, go back to the beginning, Mm -hmm. master it again. When you've mastered it, go back, master it again. Yeah. It's that constant cycle of going back to the basics, reinforcing them, tweaking them, getting them better and going. It's chasing perfection but we're never ever going to achieve perfection. Yeah. But it's that striving towards it is what we want.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think I think one of the challenges uh, and I'm speaking from experience is uh, you start RXing things, and you start feeling good about yourself, and it's sometimes mentally really challenging to take all of the weight off and go back to yeah. body movement. Or yeah. Body weight movement.
2: I mean, when people say, "Oh, I want to RX this one," I'm like, "Why? Right? Why are you doing that? What because does that prove? I mean, so many times I'll have to tell people, I'm like, I'm not doing RX. I did it this morning. I'm not doing RX. Why? What's the benefit to see my name on the top of a leaderboard? No. The, the pro this, for example, this workout may be designed for you to do five or six rounds at a certain weight. That's what we want to achieve. We want to achieve five or six rounds. I don't want to achieve two rounds because I've picked a, so I tried to go RX on a mm-hmm. weight that Super I heavy. should not have done. Yeah. yeah, that's not what that program was designed for. If you follow the program, you will get the results you expect. If you don't follow the program, you try and do your own thing, you're not gonna get the results you expect. Yeah. So taking ego out of the equation is a big step for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So the biggest step, yeah. So you you make the transition from athlete to coach, right? How long did it take from um, making the transition to coach to then deciding, hey, I wanna start judging and doing some of the judging things that you're doing now?
2: So I already judged a couple of um, very small competitions at our, our local gym in Norwich. You, um, can
1: I ask a question there? Do you only need a level one to become a judge? Is it pretty informal or, or what is the no, judging no, process? So I don't think you need any. You don't actually need anything.
2: You can do um, the online judges course, which is on the CrossFit.com um, websites. You go to the um, online courses and it takes like half an hour or so. And it basically talks you through what your points of performance are looking for on and things, how to count your double unders, things like that. Um, and normally most competitions will uh, want you to have that mm-hmm. to begin with. If you don't have it, but you've got a lot of experience with CrossFit, it's up to like the head judge and things. For me, it was a case of I enjoyed competing, but it was always that I like to be the best at something. And if I'm not gonna be the best at something, then I'm not gonna kind of, I'm gonna dial myself back for it. And I'm not Matt Fraser. I'm not Josh Bridges. I'm not Noah Olson. I'm never ever going to be. But that doesn't mean that I can't be involved with something that intense at that high level. And the judging staff, certainly for like the regionals, for games, for any of the big competitions, are as important they've got to know ex- every single thing of every single workout every single point in performance because you can't really affect people certainly with a lot of the smaller competitions and it's just for fun like yesterday's competition was just for fun we're going to let a few more things go but when you get to the more intense levels you've got to know exactly why you near rep someone because there is a chance they can appeal mm-hmm. and you've got to say okay why did you rep on that one
1: so what are the some of the competitions? What are the larger uh, scale things that you judge? And then obviously the games are coming up, right?
2: Yeah. So um, there was a competition back in the UK. Um, Battle of the Boxes, and I was judged for that one. Um, and then back in Miami, there was the Sunshine Throwdown. I was one of the judges for that. I was a judge of regionals for the Atlantic last year. Um, that was my sort of first sort of step in the water of a uh, CrossFit sanctioned event. Um, and that was intense. That was a pretty intense three days. Yeah, why so? Um, just because of again, like you're going to affect people's future for the next year. Ba- back then it was still a case of you had you had to go through the open. You got through the open, you get invited to a regional event and then you got through regionals. You then went to the game. So all these athletes who are trained for their entire year get to the open, they get through that, they then get to regionals. They've only got two days at regionals to prove that they can go to the games. So someone's entire year of work, their paycheck can be decided in two days. So you've got to be on the ball. You can't afford to let the athletes down or the teams down. So that was sort of the first sort of big, oh, okay, this is what the big boys do. And any, then,
0: anybody have any meltdowns?
2: We have one judge who can cut it and he um he asked to be removed from the floor
0: i was thinking more athlete meltdowns but
2: um
0: anybody throw a fit
2: i had a i had one team throw a bit of a fit at me on their handstand push-ups and i gave him like seven no reps in one go and then finally the lady came down and was like why and i said you not in your hip and there was the head judge stood right behind me he went yep so.
1: And what what was the reason you gave them no reps? They weren't so meaning? they were
2: doing, um, one team member has to do handstand push-ups, well, they only did a handstand hold, but they weren't opening their hip at the top oh, of the handstand. Okay. So they were closing the hip. Yep. Yeah. And it's, it's little things, but you've got to know exactly why you're no repping them. So if they come down and say why, you've got to be able to tell them, open your hip.
0: Did we ever have any, uh, any big screw-ups? In, Judging in, screw-ups? In, yeah.
1: Good question.
2: Um, not that I saw.
1: Mm, of course not, because he's a judge. Yeah. Not that he would have no, a statute of limitations. Because
0: <laughs> that's one of those things like when you're judging people in the open every now and then, like it just happens, right? You lose count. Yeah. And you just yeah. think, yep. all right, well, when they stop, that's probably. probably about stop, right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the most stressful part of regionals was like the first workout. It was like, um, uh, like a thousand meter row, like a thousand double unders and then like a kilometer on the um, the assault runner. But the thing is, you've got to have backups in case anything fails. Mm-hmm. So the rowers had a backup screen, so, or a power supply, so that was a n- oh, problem. Double-unders, you just had to count, and then they step forward and every do hundred. Do you have a clicker? So, nope, no, no, you're you mentally gotta, counting. Yeah, mentally oh, counting, and they, they, you'd have to tell them every hundred so they could step uh-huh. forward. But on the Assault Runner, you, if the screen goes, there's a little piece of white tape on the actual runner, and you've got to count how many Evolutions. What? and what you have to do is if, if the screen goes and the other goes the screen's gone it's not <laughs> working okay you step back you put your hand in the air to call from the head judges uh-huh. and you tell them but you're still counting every time you see that white line and they'll step back and they'll do the math and say okay when this athlete gets to 1400 that's when they're they're done so the screen's gone so they don't know how many meters right. they've done but you've got to keep count one two three four five yeah. so you're 1, counting one 000, f- one thousand two fuck, three four but also on top of that, we've got cameras and the audience. They need to know how far people are doing. So every time they get to a certain milestone, you'd have to wave and the next person would come and move the chess piece forward. So like, the audience knows how far they're going. And then right. you have to put a hand up for the TV crews to know how many they've done. And yeah, that was probably the most stressful. One. A lot of moving parts. That's, yeah. It
0: seems like the last couple of uh, regionals and games, they've had some pretty sizable judging mistakes. Interesting. Uh, that yeah. have affected the outcome yeah. of, of the games.
2: Uh, you think intentional it's not, or not? Well this isn't
0: this is a paid position, right? No, it's so not it seems a paid like, position. It seems like a lot of stress and a lot on the line for an unpaid position. For an unpaid yeah. sort of thankless Yeah. Thankless position.
1: Are there so. some pretty significant perks?
2: Uh, I got free T shirts. Nice. And mm. I got free pro shoes. Okay. Mm. Um, free food.
1: Okay. Yeah. And you get to hang out with some really cool athletes
2: not so much okay because yeah. the, well, athletes kept, the athletes hey, are you kept went somewhere, or, somewhere. Yeah. the athletes are kept sort of away from us yeah, and we're they're... always told when we go out to the um, athletes village or to the, um, the the shops and things take your judge's top off uh-huh. put a different t-shirt on
1: because I'll want to kick your ass if you judge well them
2: just because and manipulate or you, the other
1: way they sway you yeah hey, was, just because yeah
2: exactly
1: yeah 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 that makes a lot of sense yeah yeah that's right so What do you think is more stressful? So you just took us through kind of a really stressful uh, environment of the screen blows up, you're counting the tape, you gotta notify the TV crew, you gotta notify the live crew, the head judge. Is that more stressful or running a live production, uh, whether it's theatrically, uh, for the circus, and something going, let's call it minor something going wrong and you having to figure it out on the fly? Uh,
2: Everything comes down to experience. Okay. So on, On a show, we've had plenty of times where power's gone out, sound's gone out, lights have not worked, the automation's broken halfway through a show, and there's always a backup plan to jump into it. And it's the same with the judging. There's always gonna be a backup plan. You just have to let the right people know so they can fix it. There are people paid to do that, they will fix it.
1: Do you think the 10,000 hour rule applies to judging too? where you've just gotta do something over and over until it turns a muscle?
2: Yeah, Yeah. It, it, it does. I mean. The more you coach as well, the more you'll pick up little details of full depth on a squat, locking out the arms. But the same thing does apply for judging. The more you do it, the more you're going to learn, the more you're going to learn to count double on better pedal, what points you're going to look for on a pull up. So, yeah. I mean, do mistakes happen? Inevitably. We always get complacent at a certain points. It's just pushing through that and going back to the basics, like I said. You know what,
0: I think we've talked about this before. Um, I've always found it curious that at a certain level you have to submit videos. And I think you told me that they have the judges go through and look at those also,
2: right? Yeah, so I've I've been an online judge for a couple of things now. And the problem comes that we get so many video submissions because even if they only accept the first 20, we still have to take the next 20 in case there's problems in the ones beforehand. Yeah, and say it's a 10 minute workout and I've got to watch 20 people's videos, they're all 10 minutes long and there's five workouts and they're all about 10 minutes long. That's a lot of time. So what we what we have to do is we watch them at like one and a half times speed, two times speed, and we just have to look for the very basic stuff. So does the weight on the bar look about right? Do they look like they're doing the full capacity of work? Because if it's sort of a, um, if it's a, a chipper workout and stuff, they're supposed to sort of say their name, what mm-hmm. division they're in. They're supposed to show the bar, the weight on the bar, yeah. what plates they're using, the clips are on, a that's clock three is supposed to be visible. Right yeah. And that's three minutes. Okay. If the workout takes another 10 and I'm watching, okay, it's kind of becomes a general thing. Does it look like the athlete can complete the work at that time as requested? Mm-hmm. Are they doing it perfectly? Are they getting every single point of performance? That's not so much the issue at that point. It's more a case of could they potentially do that at a regional level or a sanctional level? Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So you've got the games coming up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Significant differences uh, from a judging point of view from like the regional events that you've done to the games events, or have they prepped you differently for them?
2: Uh, No, not really, same sort of prep work. Um, I think I'll obviously find out a lot more information when I get this. This It'll be my first time going to Madison for the games. Are you excited? Um, I'm really excited, yeah. really excited. Yeah.
1: What are some of the big jitter points for you?
2: Um, I think just I, n- I want to know what divisions I'm gonna be judging. I'm not expecting to be on the floor with the big names athletes. It's my first time there. I'm probably going to be with sort of the teen athletes, the masters, things like that. Um, I just want to know what the workouts are so I can start prepping myself for, OK, what's the best way of counting this movement? What am I going to be looking for on this one? Things like that.
1: Uh, how many people in live attendance at the games?
2: Oh, I have no idea. I mean, they've.
1: it's got multiple venues. Yeah, right. I think yeah. they've
0: got different things happening all Th- over the place. We think it's like thousands. I think tens the of whole thousands. I think the whole town gets tens of thousands. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's a
2: whole <laughs> whole campsite set up as well for people. That's as awesome. well. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's different venues happening. There's different um, workouts happening at different times. Plus, there's um, the village and stuff as well with things for people to try. There's um, companies setting up shop there as well. Mm -hmm. So.
1: So the biggest difference. So you've you've got people at every gym that probably want to be a games athlete, aspire to do that. Right. Ground level. What's your perspective on the biggest differences between someone that is a games athlete versus someone that is an open athlete or a regionals athlete? What's that glass ceiling that people have to break through to become that?
2: Um, The capacity for work. Sonny, you can you can come into the gym and do your hour of training but the biggest question i've always asked people is okay first things first tell me about your diet mm-hmm. because if you're not fueling the engine properly you're never going to be able to achieve the results that these people can achieve it's because you're not feeding the engine um after that it's it's a case of finding your weaknesses and hammering them home putting in the extra time um it's not so much coming in and doing three workouts a day, mm-hmm. it's coming in doing one workout very, very well a day, but it's also the other two hours, you come in and you work on a snatch grip high pull. Right. It's the extra time spent running, it's the extra time spent on a GHD or doing combination of pull-ups.
0: Des- describe the difference between like one of these games athletes and say like the highest athlete, the highest end athlete you find at the gym. I think. They do such a good job of making it look easy. Mm-hmm. You watch it on TV, you think, oh, God, I could do that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll train yeah. for a year and yeah. go to games next year. Yeah, it, I don't think it translates well to how strong and how fast these people really are. Yeah, like, when you see it in person, is it is it that when you're right in impressive. front of you? It's yeah. impressive.
2: It is really impressive because even from my point of view, I know I'm in a pretty good physical condition compared to the average person. These people are just just next level.
0: Have you ever, in the middle of judging somebody, had the thought,
2: "I could beat that guy right now. I could no. do this
0: better"?
1: No. Never. From a physical size perspective, are they just massively larger than the average human?
2: Um, I'd say they're denser. <laughs> dense. They're it's not. These guys are all. These are all Yeah, they're not tall. They're not right? taller, dense. but they just just—they've got broad shoulders, broad thighs, massive. Um, massive chest and stuff. They, and, and those are the girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. They just they're, like I said, their capacity to keep going, keep hold of a pull-up bar, keep hold of a bar, but lift heavy weight overhead, is honestly impressive. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Hmm.
1: So you go from athlete to coach to judge to competition designer. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. Talk about the competition we had yesterday. Let's talk about the
0: comp. So Ed. Okay. Maybe what three four months ago started talking about you know we should have a competition and we've been here for a few years we've never had a competition, um, and it's been it's been hard enough to kind of keep everything going at, at the gym you know setting up a competition takes a lot of effort and uh, you know Ed mentioned it and I said listen if you something that you want to do put it all together and uh, you know we'll figure it out and he sat down and figured it all out. Um, We had a. It was an in-house competition. We ended up having 20 teams, and uh, I'll let Ed talk about it. But we we came up with the idea that we wanted it to not be a a destroyer, and it it needed to be programmed a certain way. And how would you how did you go about putting that together, Ed?
2: Yeah. So I think I originally sort of did like a two-page presentation, sort of proposal of an idea, just as an idea for it. Um, but my biggest thing was, this is our very first competition. It has to be accessible, but most of all, it has to be fun. Because if it's not fun, no one's going to do another one. If it's fun, people will talk. They'll say, oh, I had such a great time. Oh, I, yeah, I came in and I watched. I really want to do the next one. And it can build and we can do more with it. Um, and we've always, I've always done competitions at every single box and gym I've worked in. So the fact that you guys had never done was like, right, okay, let's, let's get this first one going. Um, and it took me a little while to try and work out, um, the team format, whether it was going to be same sex pairs or it was going to be mixed pairs. We're going to do RX and scale or we're going to do teams of four and sort of mix everything together. Um, and then how many workouts? I mean, most people come in before they go to work or come back from work and they do a little bit of strength portion, and they do a workout. Well, that's it for their day. So, is four workouts in six hours attainable? How do we schedule the programming? how How do we do run the timing for everything? Um, and I was really fortunate, Curtis and Christie, sort of just sort of let me get on with it. Just let me sit down on my own. Okay, let's plan out a timetable. If this workout takes four minutes, if we have this many teams, how long is this going to take? Okay, all right. Spacing wise, where are we going to put everybody? Where's it all going to go? How many lanes do we need? So it's just sort of sitting down with everything and. Of okay, if this happens, this happens, then this will happen, would that work? No, okay, if we do this instead, would this happen next? Okay, that would work, okay, so let's put that over there, let's sort that out. So it's just a lot of sort of time, sort of check this, no, it doesn't work, all right, back to drawing board, let's try this one. Okay, would that work? Yes, okay, good. And then when it came to actually programming the workouts themselves, um, trying to give a good generic workout. So for example, our first one was, grind to overhead. So it's a nice, simple movement. Got six minutes, try and get as heavy as they can get. Most people in the gym already have a one rep clean and jerk. So there's already a familiarity to the movement that they were gonna be okay with. They could go back to their rig they could look at Wadify and say, oh, okay, I've done 185 in the past. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna start at like maybe 150 and we'll go from there. Um, So there was already sort of something they could do that was pretty obvious
0: and it's good to that point like one of the things that we were worried about and especially i think i don't know if it's everywhere if it's just an la thing um, local competitions have gotten weird over the last couple of years it's gone from this kind of more like what we did this weekend and it, it sort of evolved into a like a complete crusher, like we're going to go from 7 in the morning till 4 p.m. and you're going to be dead for a week. And, you know, we're doing triple Murph and triple Fran. And and, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of gotten out of hand a little bit. And I think what we wanted was something that was programmed more at, you know, the whole day being. A test for, you know, some endurance and some skill, but we're not looking to crush everybody. So I think when you sat down and put that together, all of the workouts—they were on the shorter side. Uh, they were all doable for people of all levels. Mm-hmm. It it really, it really came together nicely. Every single person that did it at the end of the day, they weren't they weren't destroyed. We didn't have any injuries. Everything ended on time. Yep. That was uh, I think about as as good as you could run it. But most importantly, everybody when they got done, they were happy. They were they were. That was my biggest thing. With a smile on their face, they had a fun time, and they said, when are we doing the next one?" So I don't think they're already be planning. A, I don't think there could be a bigger compliment than that yeah um, but yeah it was a really really good day any any surprises because you you had an opportunity we all kind of ended up judging our own little thing and i don't think i saw anything other than cleaning jerks all day long <laughs> but you had a chance to kind of watch everybody anything that stuck out in your mind any any uh, performances that were you know uh memorable everyone did a good job but yeah. anything stick out
2: um I must say I was really impressed with um Fig and Erica because they originally put themselves down for scaled. And I was like, well, I think you I think you'll probably be okay for RX. I think maybe you should go for RX. They're like, no, we we, we just want to do scale. We're okay. And eventually I sort of said, no, okay, I'm changing you. You are doing this RX. You I know all the workouts, you're going to be okay. Is it going to suck for you at some point? Yes. Uh, especially Erica had her, her shoulder the week before and things. And I was like okay maybe maybe i should put them back but no and they did a fantastic job yeah i mean um certainly my biggest thing was everyone's capacity to adapt because certainly for we already announced the first three workouts so people already had a chance to think things through with their partner right okay how are we going to do the dumbbell snatch how are we going to do the pull-ups but workout four was announced 20 minutes before the first heat and they only had 10 minutes to get on the, on the barbell and try partner deadlifts they've mm-hmm. never done that before on the the wall ball shots to their partner well we're used to doing wall ball on our own to a target on the wall going over a bar to a partner and then trying to do that in synchro something they've never done before so them having to come up on the fly and try and figure out the best way of doing things whether it's marking the line on the floor or letting the ball fall then waiting picking it up going again mm-hmm just things like that it was really impressive to see how quickly people adapted yeah
1: it's funny how everyone had it there wasn't one perfect way to the mountaintop everybody had something that they did a yeah. little bit differently to try and get there faster talk,
0: yeah. talk about like moving on the fly we had uh, one person that fell out in the morning vicky had an injury that's she right Couldn't compete so yeah. i was looking around at people and, and donna was standing there and i said hey donna uh how you feeling she said eh, pretty good i said Hey, why don't you jump in and uh, compete so with absolutely no notice without having breakfast with uh, about four minutes to get ready she yeah clocked in jumped in and, yep. and uh, killed it yeah <laughs> did a great job with right so that was that was impressive yeah anything that you do differently anything that went wrong or not the way you anticipated or that you just said eh, i'll do that different
2: um I kind of want to say no. I think it kind of all ran as bad as well as expecting it to. Will I sit down over the next week or so and just think, okay, maybe I could change that slightly. Um, The next competition is not going to be this competition. It's going to be a bit different format, probably different set number of workouts, different team sizes. So my biggest thing was making sure it ran on time. I can probably afford to maybe shave off a a couple of minutes, but on the whole, I was really impressed with how everything ran.
0: That is the worst thing. I mean, I've been to competitions that have run three, four, five hours over, and that is that's just a that's, that's a deal, deal breaker to me. Yep. I will not go back and do a competition that's yeah.
1: that's run poorly. Yeah, not not only from a, a respect perspective, but also like a mental preparation. You kind of stage yourself for okay, I'm going on at noon. I'm going to warm up and get ready mentally at noon. And then when it's still three PM and you haven't gone yet, When mm. you're you waiting to do exhausted. your third
0: workout, and you've been waiting for four and a half hours, yep. And like there's a certain point where you check out, and you're like, I, I don't even care anymore. It's home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I used to do wakeboard competitions, and it was super similar. You used to do what? Wakeboard competitions. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a different episode. There's such a thing. There's such a thing. It's pretty cool. Int league, but um, you would do two runs a day, a ski ski lake. So one pass up, one pass down, which mm-hmm. was all of a minute max. So the Midwest thing. Uh, No, they have them in California, too. Yeah, in uh, Temecula, Lake Elsinore, uh, Fresno. But, um, yeah, you're sitting around all freaking day, and there's no warm-up, there's no nothing. There's no, like, hey, let me warm up behind the boat first. It's all right. You just show up, and you jump on the water, and you got to go give your best performance. And it's super frustrating because you're there for eight hours to do two minutes of wakeboarding so that you can hold a medal that you had to pay for at the end of the day. It sucks. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's nothing worse than a competition that's running behind. Yes, especially wakeboarding. Yes. Which didn't, didn't know that was a thing should just be a free sport anyways yeah.
0: right yeah so what do we have to look forward to in the next comp we're, we're going uh probably about christmas time, time. yeah, yeah.
2: run right about holidays um oh,
1: santa santa comp santa wad
2: yeah i think might even do like fancy dress that could oh, be fun God.
0: yeah i still <laughs> want to bring back my i still want to bring back that uh, fight club uh project mayhem workout
1: i don't know this one
0: they had a uh, in la they had a Project Mayhem competition. I think the first one was maybe five, six years ago. I forget who put it on, but it was, uh, you sign up and uh, they texted, I think, the day of the comp and said, show up at this location. And uh, it was kind of fight club theme. It was like teams of six guys and they all had to show up wearing all black. And I wanna I want to say it was underneath like a bridge in the middle of LA. And you were just did the And workout. they had like the cars circled up with the lights on and, and just go. throw down. It like fight, a, I'm down to fight. No, no, I'm no, no, working on no, Okay, well, yeah, I'm down thing.
1: for both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was hoping it'd be what's the uh, the reindeerettes? What are they called? You know the chicks? It's a it's a. I thought it was like a holiday special or whatever. It's a the reindeerettes. The one with all the singers that wear the little skimpy skirt things. What we're are talking those?
0: About, wait, we're talking about cross.
1: No, yeah, but we're talking about the Christmas special, the Christmas wad contest. Right. What's that? It's right. just it's the Santa baby that the, you know what I'm talking about. I have no idea. What right are they right. called?
2: Are you talking about the rockets? The rockets! Rockettes,
1: the rockets! I'm. I want to dress up as a rocket for the next one. You could. <laughs> you, you could do that every day. Yeah, yeah. We, we're not stopping you. You can do it every day if yeah. you don't make it awkward. Well,
2: well awkward. we're gonna
1: make it. Awkward. You guys will. Yeah. We will you mentally have to
2: make it not awkward for yeah. yourself.
0: So what are we thinking for the next comp? The Christmas time, holiday yeah. time. Around the
2: holidays, um, thinking right now probably teams of four or so. Um, there won't be an RX in the scale. It'll just be a generic. You know? don't work out. You'll have to pick what athletes are going to do each workouts. Oh, um, So you have
0: like a, a male, a female, a master's athlete?
2: Yeah. So what it'll probably oh. be is a case of like, if you want to do the competition, send us an email or whatever. We'll sign you up, but we'll pick the teams. So that way it's a nice balance across the board. We don't have one team of Stacked. four incredibly yep. great athletes and who's going to destroy every single one. We'll make it a nice, even playing field.
0: Oh, this to be another in house competition?
2: I'm thinking so, yeah.
0: Okay. nice i'm thinking you know with the uh that was pretty successful i think we i think we're ready to put on a, a bigger
2: i've also sort of coming up with ideas for sort of um a santa clarita invitational kind mm-hmm. of a thing where we'll maybe we invite some of the other um crossfit boxes around the area as well but that's something else i'm working on
1: yeah they gotta play nice we gotta play nice yeah we'll play nice we're all in the same community yeah we'll try that'd be great well, hey, I thought it was a, a phenomenal event. I agree with you. I think everybody walked out of here with smiles on their face and minimal injuries, if if any at all. Um, and just a good opportunity. I think our gym, if you were to sum it up and, and put it into a couple words, words, a lot of people that have to go to work on Monday uh, and they come here to be part of a community and be fit. Uh, but I think this gave some people a opportunity to compete and challenge themselves when a lot of times we don't get the opportunity to challenge ourselves in that setting. And uh, I think people got really excited about that, and and looking forward to the next one for sure. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you know, people, people have this romantic idea of, uh, you know, competing. What it's going to be, and uh, I don't think anybody was let down. I I think everybody came and had a a really good time and and had fun, and that's exactly what it was supposed to be. So yeah, I think
2: people got challenged, and that challenge breeds a good response. Agreed. Getting endorphins flowing.
0: Yeah. So what's next for you in CrossFit? You just took your L two.
2: Just took my L two a f- few months ago. Um, keep learning, keep learning.
0: Who was on your staff for the L two? Anyone notable? He um, doesn't I does not remember.
2: I'm terrible with names. <laughs> now we had two of the staff from CrossFit HQ, from their gym. Okay. So the two, um, the guy and the girl who run their programming, um, they were our two main seminar staffers, um, and they were just incredible. Just the, their ability to. Um, Spot flaws and correct in a class of 40 people instantly it was just impressive. Nothing else about it, just impressive. Um, and actually, the um, the really terrible names. Um, the lady's also responsible for the adaptive athletes program, so she wrote that and he wrote he writes the cross for HQ programming things. So, yeah,
1: how much more challenging was the uh L2 versus the L1 to pass?
2: Um it's an
1: awkward question. i say it's different. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. different so more apples than and oranges. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The first one is all, all about giving you the basics of what it's all about. And the second one's far more about coaching, about correcting, about spotting flaws, about class structures or things like that. Is it harder? Yes. But it's also very different. Yeah. Makes
0: sense. So what's next? Any, any other classes? Any other, uh, what's the next CrossFit thing for you?
2: Well, we're about to start the next month's accessory work. So we're going to build on to that and we're also going to think about, um, some other sort of specialized classes as well. Awesome.
1: So getting more from what I, the gist of what I take away from this conversation is getting super granular and getting masterful at things, right?
2: Improving everyone's general understanding. And then those who want to progress, giving them that opportunity to fine tune their technique for things. Awesome. Yeah. Great.
1: Anything else, Curtis? You want to dive into?
0: Um, geez, we covered uh, we covered just about
1: everything. Um. Awesome, Ed. Anything else you want to leave our six viewers, listeners? For?
2: All six. Um, no, I've had a great time here. Thank you, guys. Awesome.
1: Thanks, Ed, yeah. for joining. Thank you. And excited to see what comes next for CrossFit SCV. Yeah. yeah.